but like I had like a whole shelf that went around my whole half of my bedroom. Wow. It was just like stuffed animals and dolls and everything. Like I still have like, I still have like two of my cabbage patches. I had like five at the time. Wow. I had a lot of dolls. Anyway, wow, oversharing the pod. Hi guys, now you guys know I have a lot of dolls and I'm creepy. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but prefer the classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I am Julia. And I'm Terry. And this week we're talking about 1995's Tales from the Hood. The title of this episode is Insane in the Membrane. It's insane in the membrane. She's insane. Got no brain. Come on, Julia. If you're going to say it, you I, have to say it like I, that. I know. I, th- I thought it. I thought it in my head. I didn't say it, but I thought it. Um, you got to be real about it. Oh, <laughs> that's a Cypress Hill reference for those of you who are paying attention. You're welcome. The tagline for this movie is, your most terrifying nightmare and your most frightening reality are about to meet on the streets. This was written by yeah. Darren Scott and Rusty Kundiff, who also directed the film. Yeah. Uh, so this, yeah, this was a huge movie. And I remember in 1995, it being a big thing. I didn't watch it. I don't know why. But here I am watching it for the first oh, time. Oh, I know why. In 1995, I was square as hell. I was no. <laughs> not just square, but I was busy doing a lot of other things. I feel like in 95, what was I doing? I was in high school being like angsty and emo and just. I was watching a, a good, a fair amount of horror movies in 1995, but uh, I sure wasn't slipped through the cracks. But here you are. Yeah, making up for lost time. I love it. And this one's iconic. And I am really excited to talk with this about you. Talk talk, <laughs> talk about this with you. <laughs> so this uh, we open on Sims Funeral Home, where we have three three shady looking gentlemen who are need to do some business. Yeah, they plan to rob dead people is what they what they're planning on. That's their business. Um, yeah, but we also I love they're, they're, rock they're, they're, organ music happening at the beginning, Julia. Yes. And I thought about you. I was like, Julia must love this organ music coming out of this funeral home, and I, it is like the most rock and organ. Yeah, I love organ music, it, and it gives me a Carnival Souls vibe, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we we assume that these three guys are picking up. They're picking something up from this they are picking up business they are looking for so uh, assumedly they're there to get drugs is what we are assume yeah they're like we're supposed to we're here for the shit whatever that shit is and you're just like it's not clear also something like they might be robbing some shit or they're actually supposed to be there um and they're also talking about how do we plan to rob dead people how am i supposed to kill something that's already dead and they have a whole joke about refried beans like that's like trying to get refried beans they're like they're already fried like they were already baked wait <laughs> Uh, and it's we, cute. as Mr. Sims, we have uh, Clarence Williams III, who is having a ball. He's having so much fun. I loved Chef's kiss. Is there anything better so- than watching someone chew up the scenery and like love it? I just was like, I want a part like this where I get to play a creepy old witch lady. Like, do you know what I mean? Though, like, like this Undertaker, he is living the actor's dream because I playing. Th- 
Ugh. Yeah, because I feel like the director was like, no, 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 go bigger. No, go bigger. And like, just go bananas. And he was like, okay, like full license to go full like insanity. It's so great. His eyes are all wild and his hair is fabulous. I feel like I'm doing that right now. Yes. <laughs> um, he's so good. Ugh. Uh, so he's going before he can, they can give them the shit. He needs to tell them a couple of stories. Uh, so we're going to have this a little, so this is our, our thread that's going to lead us through these uh, vignettes that we're going to get in this anthology story. So the first story we get is Clarence's story. Mm-hmm. And he also says death, it comes in many strange packages. So that's like, I love that, like as an intro of like, ooh, this is all about death and like how death has come to all. So he takes them into the different funeral um, and the funeral home. There's different rooms where there are different people's bodies um, waiting for their ceremony, so to speak. So that's Clarence is somebody uh, who's uh, connected to this first story. Yeah, in in the coffin. So mm-hmm. uh, we learned that there is a, he's a rookie uh, and there are some crooked cops who are beating a black man terribly he is a prosecutor and a political agitator so they are trying to teach him a lesson so yeah this first vignette is all about police brutality and it's very brutal and also i just was like this is 1995 this whole movie i just kept being like they could make this movie again right now Mm -hmm. and this shit would still be very real and very live um but yeah so they the cops are harassing him um, but the new cop Clarence is the only black cop with this group of these white cops. But he's getting initiated, so to speak, into the brotherhood and the officer's code and what that means, which basically means if you see another officer, you are supposed to have silence and not uh, rat on them. And that's what he's basically told and initiated. And he doesn't rat on them. Um, he tells the other officers as after they've beat the living crap out of this guy Morehouse, um, that they need to take him to the hospital. They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll take him. We got this. You need to go on the back on the beat and do whatever else you're going to do tonight. And these guys do not take Morehouse to the hospital. No, what they actually do is they shoot him up with drugs, uh, leave it with it, we'll leave him, and then send him off a pier into the water in And they car. frame him and they put extra drugs in his car. Yes. And they also, um, the biggest thing that Morehouse was doing as a political figure and, and, and prosecutor was trying to um, prosecute crooked cops so you realize that he's paying the price because the cops have had enough of him talking badly about them, that they frame him to look like he's a drug user and also maybe a dealer of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just no, no good at any. And this this Clarence is let, lets the guilt from this eat him alive. And the next time we see him, when we first see him, he's very fresh faced. This rookie cop who's got you know ideals and now All clean cut. And now yeah. he is uh, in a flop house. And I love that. You look at that room, whenever they do this room, it'll be like the first word I think of is flophouse, which is something that's like those haven't existed since like the 30s, right? Like these terrible, terrible little like uh, ho- hotels that they would have in like downtown over by the tracks where you would stay. And people... They still exist. But that, they're like... all over Orange County. Like they, they still very much, there's a whole like motel row. I feel like it just depends on where you live. They're still everywhere. Julie. I guess I picture like hobos. <laughs> I feel like I picture like <laughs> this is 1935 and I've just gotten off a train and I need somewhere to stay and here we are. No, they're, they're still very much alive and also just yeah, there's a lot of places that I think would fall under this category of just like this is where you end up when you have no place else to go because it's, it's your last spot you can, before you're homeless. Basically, you can pay by the day and it's like that's all you needed to do. And he looks like he is eaten up inside and just drunk, all terrible. Yeah. Um, 
So Clarence get, decides to get the, his revenge and lures the cops into a graveyard. Um, and the cops... Not just decides. He goes outside of this mural off the side of the road. Oh, and there's yeah. a mural for Morehouse. And his face looks like he's speaking to him and imploring him. It's like they had made him, you know, um, basically a memorial. Yeah, memorial uh, mural. And so he's like, yeah, I got you. Like he's talking to the mural like he can hear it basically. And it's like, yeah, I'll go get them. And I, you need them to, me to take them to your grave. Great. So we find out when he gets them to the grave that it's the one year anniversary of the night that he was murdered. Which the cops, of course, don't care about and don't don't are just, you know, that he both every party knows this is a bad idea, like as it's going on, because you're like, oh, people are this is going to go badly for somebody. So they are just decide, well, we'll just kill him. We'll just kill Clarence and then we'll, we can shut him up. It'll be fine. We don't have to worry about him ratting on us. Uh, and they Clarence lures them out to Morehouse's grave where the cops start to pee on his grave and then and i'm sure that this delighted every 12 year old boy and they rerouted and watched it over me? and over You're talking about me i'm a 12 year old boy because it delighted me too so first we have strom who's like the the crappier of the of he's the one who basically led the beatings the first time wings hauser Yes, and so, so great. And he pees on the grave first, and then he gets Billy. As part of the code is just, you know, it's 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 uh, the peer pressure you put on others to also have bad behavior. And Billy kind of hesitates, but he's like, no, Billy, you pee on the grave too. And he, Billy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. He doesn't, you can tell he's kind of got the willies being out there on the graveside. But he decides to do it, and he can't, he can't pee at first. He's a little stressed. Then all of a sudden, from out of the grave, a hand of Morehouse comes and grabs him by the dick. <laughs> yanks it off yep. and pulls him into the grave <laughs> while he's knocking his head on the tombstone as he pulls him in it's beautiful i am a 12 year old boy i guess jules i was delighted <laughs> <laughs> you yank a guy and kill him by the dick you can't you can't deny how great this is yes it's pretty epic um and i do like that one of them says this is no time to panic and the other says well, then when the fuck do we start to panic I'm like, yeah, if there's any time to panic, it's right now. <laughs> Jesus. It's like right now when like the hand of the guy you killed a year ago comes out of the grave and pulls your friend and kills him by the, like literally yanks his dick in. Um, anyway, yeah, when the fuck do you start to panic? <laughs> they go back to the car. They try to get out of there and the car won't start. Uh, and so Morehouse comes and starts chasing the other cops that have gotten away. Mm -hmm. And it is not going well. He's basically haunting them like crazy. Um, and as soon as they drive, they keep seeing him behind, like walking like a walking dead person or something. Oof. But of course, uh, he ends up getting to them uh, and just eats, eats them, bites the head off, eats the fuck out of them. And you go, yes, please. <laughs> decapitates through the car like he's on top of the car like he does all these all these jump scares are happening throughout as he's like haunting them um, but I love that he reaches into the top of the cop car he yanks this one cop's head off the other cop's like oh shit and like ugh, and then great. we need and then we need an explosion right we need a car car explosion we got a budget for this clearly let's get an explosion in yes. hell to the yes and it works so well right now too because it's just like all right what else are you gonna do so yeah we got our last cop standing, though. This this is this is a pretty good revenge, I would say. This is pretty pretty brutal. Where like you, it's it's like that uh, Lovecraftian, like you've gone mad in a like now now you're just like you flipped and now you're just gone for the rest of your life, just just wandering through a junky alley and and stabbing himself with junky needles uh, and a crucifix and then just melts into a mural. 
Like, okay. Yeah, Skid Row. Yeah, he's in Skid Row, and all of a sudden he's like, yeah. Uh, so we have, yeah, the other cop gets, gets brutalized by all the all those needles and knives and Skid Row. But the biggest thing was that Clarence um, is like, yeah, uh, we did it. We got that other guy sucked in. He's taking your place basically in the mural now. Like, he's part of the thing. It's haunted. But Clarence gets admonished by Morehouse. He says, where were you when I needed you, brother? <gasps> Because he also was a cop and he didn't stop it. Yeah. And so Clarence has now gone mad and uh, is in a padded room and uh, they pin the murders on him. So Clarence gets his comeuppance for his silence. Yep. For not being a proper ally and also just going along with it. And he had all that time. He could have reported them. And that was his guilt. It's like I should have reported it when it happened, but he didn't because of the code. And he was so scared. Ooh, story one. Yeah, you're like, ooh, wow. <laughs> I was like, what an, what? I was like, what else is next? What a freaking intro! And like I said, so timely. Like, unfortunately, forever. So, uh, and it is, yeah. it is. You know, you do obviously have a zombie element to it, but this is clearly like it's just scary because it's true. And I think that's yeah. what all of these are. You're like, oh, it's just what really happens when people really do to each other, and that's the scariest thing. It's just yeah, it's a really beautiful way just to digest. Uh, yeah, to digest the truths. And also even like from the cops being like, yeah, we're dirty cops and we've, we're we the drug dealers. Like you said, like it's like all all these things that they're they're bringing up. And then we get to our second story, Walter. Um, we start open up with a, a boy, a little boy in the in the bed in his cute little jammies with a flashlight and he hears a monster and he's scared. Um, and he also the flash of the next day, he's a new student at a school and he's having a hard time fitting in. Well, when you get up, uh, you get beat up on your first day of school. That's always a good, that's a good start to it, right? That yeah. Goes well. On the playground, kids are challenging him. Like, are you a punk? Show me you're not a punk. Um, but he gets sent to the nurse's office after this fight. Um, but they realize he's got a bruise on his face, but it's not a new bruise. So it wouldn't have been from the fight today at school. He's got something else going on from before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they said that there's he's been drawing pictures of this monster that like this is the monster that lives in his closet this is the monster that followed us uh, it came uh to him after his dad died and just wanted said that they it moved with him to this new house this monster yeah and and he and you know the the teacher and the and the nurse have asked him and and, and he tells them the truth to his best of his knowledge but he also says yeah the monster told me you wouldn't believe me if when i told you so it's the monster yep um so he also draws a picture of the bully who had beaten him up the first day uh crumples it up and finds out that right as he did that tyrone fell down the stairs and broke both his arms and legs but he just randomly fell like it wasn't like he was like near anything or anybody and they can't explain what happened but he knew that that yeah because that little girl had told him like you got to draw them and and destroy it and destroy it it'll destroy them and take them away. Uh, so Mr. Garvey, who is uh, the teacher who is helping out, decides to go to the his house and see what's going on. Uh, and Alter's Malter's mom opens all like wet and sexy in a bathroom. You're like just Damn, out of though. the shower and she's hot, Miss Johnson though. Like damn, fresh anyway. and clean, yo, <laughs> fresh and clean. <laughs> She looks really good. So, and she, of course, is like something was hanging on the door, and of course, it like drops. And he's like, "You, you, you dropped something, Miss Johnson." She's giving him pick it up. The look, full up down, and he's a hot teacher too. So I was yeah. like, "Hot mom, hot teacher." Like, 
Nobody's mad at that fantasy. Yeah, I was like, okay, hot for teacher moment. Uh, but of course, like as he's like, as she's like, oh well, if you need to come, so like, give me a moment. I need to put something on. And he's like waiting on the porch, and a bird shits on him. <laughs> it's so random. I th- isn't it a sign of good luck in like some places? But anyway, it's it's is so random, and it's like nighttime too. So I was like, why is a bird shitting on him at night? It's very weird. But he gets into the house, and she like you know is changed to put on something very cute. And is um wiping the bird shit off his shoulder, and uh, she he asks her about what's going on with with Walter. Yeah, uh, and then she starts to she realizes that Walter's told the teacher what's going on, and so she gets mad and yells at him, brings Walter, and you're like, oh no! So Walter it looks like he's not getting help from mom either. She seems to be blaming him for everything. This is a classic rookie teacher mistake, too. You don't want to go and confront in the house like this. Uh, it can be really dangerous for children as well um, because it's like he's try- he's this do-good, try-to teacher, but he's actually making it worse by actually creating some sort of blame situation right now, too, um, in this investigation. Uh, um, so mm-hmm. then we have uh, stepdad. It's time for stepdad to come home. Come David on. Allen freaking Greer, Dag himself, who I adore. He's an amazing, crazy good actor. I Ugh. I actually give him a lot of kudos for taking on this role, which is he is the, the literal monster of the story, where you literally see him beating a woman uh, badly, and he's really scary. And I was like, whoa! I didn't know you he's had it in you. Oh, I did. He's an insanely really he's a theater guy. He's a dramatic actor and his background is super theater. He was in Porgy and Bess um, while I was at um, when I was studying theater back east. And he uh, got to, I got to talk with him a little bit about his process and all that stuff, too. Oh, wow. He's wild. And he's also one of the best actors I've seen live. He's insanely good. And he does everything and anything like he's one of the most he's a classically trained actor. So I know you guys most know him from In Living Color and Men on Film and all that kind of stuff and like all the all the comedy he does. But he's actually very, very good uh, in dramatic work, too. Yeah. Shout out, David. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he kills it as the stepdad in this and he's terrifying. So we realize he's got it. He roll as he rolls up his sleeves and he yells and gets this teacher and, and they end up uh, the teacher realizes and comes back in the house and realizes that the monster really is the stepdad. That's who's been beating up the child. Um, he we realize he's got a tattoo on his arm that says monster as well. So he really lives into this. So then the teacher starts to get beat up and uh, Walter break uh, Walters has the picture. Now he has the picture of the monster. He realizes the power that he wields with this picture. Um, and this, the effects here, really impressive of him just breaking his stepdad's body and twisting it in ways that it shouldn't go. And he does it nice and slowly this time instead of just crumpling it all at once. Like as the stepdad's got his arm up ready to like hit, he just crumples it in half. And all of a sudden it's like limp arm, broken bones, disgusting. Yeah, really, really good. And just turns him into like a little pretzel. Um, and as he's there in his little puddle on the floor, this shit ain't over yet, bitch. And you're like, well, <laughs> sir, I, I think sir, it is. I think you've been rendered useless. You are literally a pile of bones on the floor. <laughs> but then oh, this is really handy because then like, how are we going to get rid of the body? And Walter's like, ha ha ha, no problem. Let me just burn this picture. And the way the body goes. They burn it on the stove and that's it. And then we hadn't seen the body in the casket before this time. The one before we'd gotten to see Clarence in the casket from the undertaker. But this time we actually get to see this charred up mess of, of a person inside the casket 
And the guys are like, oh, damn, that's what happened to this guy. Like, seriously? Yeah. Are these just weird stories? I, I, th- I think yeah. it's kind of, it is a cool uh, thread, though, to be like, here are all the dead bodies in the in the funeral home. Let me tell you what happened to each one of them. Absolutely. Like, here lies these people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, OK, so then we are going on to story a number a three. With a yes. little crazy doll that we find where some people say dolls are way stationed for lost souls. I've always believed that. I think that's why they scared me as a kid. Do you really believe? <laughs> are you kidding? Good. Okay. <laughs> no, I think, but I, I get why that, why that inclination is there because dolls do have that uncanny valley kind of thing, you know, with them and they do look creepy. I remember having this one doll, Mary, who was like my size when I was like four or five years old and she terrified the crap out of me because she had the blinky eye. Okay. You know, and it's just like, if they do that, and I'm like, what? Like, is there something yeah. in there? I never did traditional baby dolls. It was always like stuffed animals and my little ponies and stuff like that. I had an insane amount of dolls, Julia. I didn't, like, really? Oh, girl. Like, I had, I had even like in through high school, I think I had a lot of them still too. My, you know what? It, it's in the family because my aunt collects like Barbie dolls still to this day, and I, I have some from her. But like, I had like a whole shelf that went around my whole half of my bedroom. Wow. It was just like stuffed animals and dolls and everything. Like, I still have like, I still have like two of my cabbage patches. I had like five at the time. Wow. I had a lot of dolls. Anyway, wow. Overshare in the pod. Hi, guys. Now you guys know I have a lot of dolls and I'm creepy. Um, but uh, so he, he, he says, sometimes yeah. when a person's body has been through a lot, the soul is displaced. The doll is a place for a soul to survive until it can move on. So there we go. Okay. There you go. This is the setup for, for story three. And then we also meet this creepy, like David Duke inspired character who's a politician who's clearly an uh, ex-clans or probably current clansman mm-hmm. of some sort. Um, and he is running for state governor. Um, and this is great. Um, this is Corbin Burnson, like also like given license to like eat the scenery mm-hmm. in a in a thing. It's so fun. So he's decided there there is a protest going on because he has decided that he wants to live and have his head, campaign headquarters on the site of a plantation, which everybody thinks is in very poor taste, being that he is uh, in the KKK uh, and he doesn't see what the problem is, and he is very uh, disgusting horrible racist and you're like please kill him immediately and they're like yeah we're getting there we'll get there and you're like okay please and the plantation yeah it has a nickname it's called the dollhouse as we find out um there's an old tale that apparently um there were a bunch of slaves that were killed here by this master who was a terrible master who um basically when the war was over he was like i don't want them to take my slaves so he just decided to slaughter them all before they could come set them free so their souls apparently are not at peace because of how they were killed so apparently there's a bunch of dolls that were made but no one knows where the dolls are because no one could find them once it was over but it still feels very disrespectful like people have weddings at plantations or whatever i didn't say it out loud i said it out loud um (laughs) it's awkward (laughs) so there is so yeah this portrait that's on the wall in his office of miss cobbs who was the keeper of the souls and so it's a old woman in, in a rocking chair and she has all of these dolls in her lap and scattered around her feet um and we do get one of the guys who is protesting out front gives a who tells us this information is kind of a crazy ralph being like the the dolls are gonna make them pay kind of you gotta listen to me they want reparations and he's like being straight up and i was like listen to that guy clearly he knows what's going on in that house but this guy this like duke guy does not care about that um but he's also hired a guy to help with his image who's a black man um to help like you know with his image pr he's paying him 10 grand a week 
<laughs> to try to help. Well, he's got to put up put up with a lot because this guy. I would I would charge him more. <laughs> to have to put up with that, yeah. Oof. So he's teaching him how to uh, be more palatable. He's and, doing media training for him, so it's full on media training. Yeah, and uh, so there's ends up where he's walking backwards, showing how you would be going down this shot, but doesn't see the doll that's on the stair that causes him to trip, and so now he falls down the stair, uh, and then we realize that his death has been filmed as well. So there's video of this event, which is not good for anybody. So there, but when they go back to when he goes back to his office, the one of the dolls paint in the painting is not there there was like white where it used to be Mm -hmm. so it looks like it's escaped the painting and then um we get one of my favorite things julie we get like puppet pov basically it looks like reminds me of puppet master i was like oh so hard this is full puppet master like puppet pov now like you hear the little tick click 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 of the little like shoes the little feet Uh (laughs) i would say though this 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 segment has about the the amount of puppet cam i can handle I'm like, this is about all I need. It's about like a minute total. Puppet Master pushes that so hard where it's just like 15 minutes doll cam. I'm like, I can't anymore with the doll cam, guys. So but you is- love animal POV, but not puppet POV, huh? It just, I love, yes, I love cams. I love whatever, you know, Gertie cam, bear cam, monster cam, whatever. But it has to be used sparingly or else you just get like, okay, we've seen it. We get it. Like you gotta, you know, you gotta, it's like when you get his perspective is he's low, he's small. Like, you know, they're tiny. (laughs) (laughs) We're only going to see like up from like, (laughs) and and, and maybe in a time where it was like, you would have to have built like a giant set for it. Right. It was like, you could see like they built a giant shoe and like, they're doing all this stuff, but this is just like a little camera running through the thing. Um, sorry, sorry about that. Sorry about that. But-, but that's okay. So, but Duke is like, man, he's like, I don't want to be intimidated by these puppets or by whatever. He's like, I can handle it. If it's just one, I got this. And so he decides to like beat, uh, beat this doll. Um, and he does like darts and stuff with it to try to like, he puts it on a dartboard, mm-hmm. <laughs> throws darts at it and then shoots it. Uh, and he's like, yeah, that should do it. But I was like, if you're not using fire. Yes. Horror movies have a guy tip. If you don't know how to kill something, fire nine out of 10 times will work unless it's like, doesn't unless have a body. A ghost. Yeah. But nope, it, this, he did not do it. And so of course this little puppet guy comes back. Um, and as he comes back though, he's like, I oh, actually, he thinks he's gotten it. And he goes and beats the painting and he beats the old woman in the rocking chair in the painting, like in the face. But then all of a sudden blood comes off the wall and he beats her with the American flag, which I just was like, Ooh, they're, all poetic they're going all, hard they're going very hard and also again this could be made right now yeah. this this segment just reminded me of like the beginning of the year in america i was like oh my god this is insane uh yeah so he uh, ends up getting chomped to death by all of the dolls that all come off the walls and just tear him to shreds and they really do let us see it they're like give us some doll eaten ch- chunks of flesh and i'm like all right or yeah you get, you get body gore you're getting all these little little povs again a little bit for you jules <laughs> little chomp chompy chomp and then yes yeah. then he gets his he gets what he deserves so hopefully he was alive for a long time while they chomped him up i think they, i think they did it nice and slow because they just have those little teeny mouths <laughs> so i think it probably took him a little while to get, to get through that maybe they're more but, like piranhas where it's just like rah, 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 real quick da, 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 all fast yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But then I love this cut too with our guys back at the cemetery. And as they're listening to the undertaker finish up this story, one of the guys is like, fuck a Barbie. Like, I don't want, no, 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 that's not true. That's that can't be true. Can't be right. <laughs> the, the kids don't believe this one as much as the, as the other ones. Uh, so and they're far. starting to get real uppity because now they have, you know, they're, they're just there for the shit. Where's the shit? And he, every time they mention it, he gets like, he gets his eyes get crazier and crazier. Mr. Sims, He's getting more and more frantic and whipped up as these stories go on. He's like, you want some shit? I can talk about some people who are in some shit. And then we segue to story number four. And I was like, nice. (laughs) Yeah, we want more shit. And this one gets even crazier. Yeah. We have uh, this guy, uh, Jerome, who is uh, on some sort of vendetta and just goes and shoots another gang member, it looks like, or some somebody has got something against. Then all of a sudden it's like there's a shootout on the on the road and by this by these houses. And it just keeps like there's like it it just it's gratuitous. It just keeps going. There's so much shooting happening Uh and people keep dying. But all of a sudden the cops are there and it looks like the OK Corral kind of modern version of that of all the cop cars surrounding these guys and they're shooting but then the cops actually end up saving jerome and he's like damn it saved by the cops like go figure you know and they arrest him obviously and now he's in prison so uh in prison they uh ask him if he wants to be part of this experiment that they're doing he will be taken out of the prison and put somewhere else uh, but he has to consent to behavioral modification now, the thing about this is, any horror movie survivor guy tip, if if this situation is ever put to you, when they say this, you say, like what? You say, what does behavioral modification mean to you? For example, please. Yes. Like, yeah, put a hemplo. Please tell me what it all means. Like, I don't, yeah. And don't just be like, yeah, okay, before you ask. Because I understand you want to be at a prison man, but you don't know what you're agreeing to, and he doesn't even ask. So it's like reading the fine print on the bottom of your contract. You just got to make sure you know. Because that's a, it's a, it's a very wide phrase, behavioral modification. That can mean a lot of things. So uh, he, of course. It's like, are you getting a lobotomy? Like, what does that mean? Like, what exactly does that entail? Like, it could like it could be some crazy medical experiment. Like, we do not know if it's physical labor. Like, terrifying. So uh, he says, okay, and gets transferred out. And at first glance, you're like, well, all right. I'm going to get transferred to this mansion where these girls are just walking around in pleather, looking pretty sexy. That was not my inclination. I was like, that looks like Transylvania. He's about to go to Frankenstein's or like, it looks like Frankenstein's like mansion. It looks good for about 0.5 seconds. And then you see naked women turning like hung upside down in body bags looking crazy. And you're like, oh, 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 no, 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 not, not good at all. Um, And so now he is put into a tiny cell, like one where you're crammed in like a tiny animal, like a dog. It looks like he's. Yeah, he looks like he's in an old timey zoo, you know, where <laughs> like the bad zoos where they did not give enough space for the animals to roam around. It's not a, a proper enclosure. And he's put right next to the scariest looking white supremacist mother effer next to him. Uh, he's got all those like prison, like white supremacist tattoos. I was like, oh, no, they put the blackest, angriest man next to this like angry white man. What is going to happen? Mm hmm. Uh, so it turns out that there's like a rehabilitation by the government going on. Um, and so he can now, and when he tells them, like, I can't, what did you, they basically say that they put him next to him on purpose, that they wanted to see him get angry and to see if he could control himself. 
Well, not just that, but like the guy, it's interesting what he's asking him because he's like, hey, what are you in for? He's like, oh, murder. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, I've murdered a bunch of people, too. The white guy says. And he's like, yeah, but who'd you murder? Basically, and he finds it. He's like, I bet you murdered. He's like, if you murdered the people I want you to murder, then we're good. Basically, he's like, if you murder more black people, like, that's what I want. So thank you for being a part of the race war. You can be one of the good blacks. Like, basically, he doesn't say that word, though, of course, because he's a big racist. Um, you could be one of the good ones that gets to stay alive because you're helping our cause as a foot soldier killing your own uh, is what he tells him. And it's insane. And so uh, he's left with that information in his brain, but it's still not quite settled in as to what the implications are here. Um and then all of a sudden he gets put in this crazy science fiction looking torture device as he's pulled down and woof. Strapped strapped down into a, this very crazy science fiction Frankenstein combo laboratory uh, where just apparatus is everywhere. So then they start this is the moment where he realizes he's made a terrible mistake. This is, this is not what he thinks he they had signed up for. They ball gag you and put like chemicals into your mouth. Like, they put like down your nose. Nose. So you're getting modification for your air. They've strapped him in. They also have some weird like um, electrode by his like penis. They've got him like, I mean, they've got him literally strapped down on this crazy like metal contraption. But, and then they also put like these things over his eyes that look like the thing where you go to the eye doctor, but like, terrifying mm-hmm. <laughs> version of it um for camera one better here better here better there better yeah. here. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I know that well not good but not it's, good you, either you way. can't even you have a tube down your nose so you can't even scream because there's just like there's stuff in your mouth and it, a ball gag and like ball you gag. can't say anything yeah um so they start basically brainwashing him uh with terrible violent images of kkk and uh racial violence uh and he can't uh unsee it uh, so then, so they're but, doing a combination though too. It's crazy. This was like really this part. I was like, well, I didn't know this movie was gonna go this hard. I didn't. I didn't know. I just was like, oh, it's gonna be like comedy horror. It's gonna be so funny. I was like, oh my god, this is this is the one that's not. This is one that's taking you to the next level. Um, and they're looking at the juxtaposition of white hoods versus like modern day like black hoods, so to speak, or like people in the hood. The white hoods being the KKK from back in the day and showing images of lynchings, showing images of people being murdered, showing images of white people standing next to lynch people smiling by their bodies. Um, just a constant just onslaught. It's, it, it was really crazy. Because it's um, all real images. Like this isn't stuff that they've made for this film. This is like footage and pictures footage. that they yeah. found of incredibly terrible things. Uh so that so now he's this he's seeing this. Then they put him in a sensory deprivation tank where there's like a strobe light going on and it's starting to freak him out that way. Um and he's starting to see the dead people that he killed. Right. And he's also the, the, do- the doctor who's wonderful in this. Um, I was like, Oh, I could play that now. Um, she, uh, she's great, but she um, asked him too. She's like, what are you, what are you noticing all these brothers who are killing brothers? She's like the first crime, which is, you know, from like Genesis in the Bible is like Cain killed his brother, Abel. Are you continuing on by killing your brothers? Um, and so all these people do come to him in visions um, and most of them, he starts fighting back and he's like, no, 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 they deserve to die. Like so-and-so crossed me. So-and-so did this. He shorted me on a deal. Like he's got all these reasons. But then a little girl emerges in this vision as he's in the septory deprivation chamber who's like, well, I was just playing and I was in my house and the stray bullet got me. And he's basically justifies that too, like kind of collateral damage of, of what's happening out here. Um, but he doesn't says he doesn't give a fuck. 
And so he says he's not responsible. He will not claim responsibility. Uh, so there's really nothing else that they can kind of do. And they try to wake him up and, and, and break the chains that he was trapped in, but he's he's not able to be re- rehabilitated. Ooh, so, so that's gonna shoot the him. end of story four. Yeah, yeah shoot they just... him bad. Um, so then we uh, cut back to our thread story where the, the three guys have decided they've had enough and pull the gu- gun on the undertaker because they were the ones who killed him. Um, what was yeah oh the last guy yes and so they um end up down in the basement like we just want to get our shit and get the hell out of here undertaker so he's like all right he leads him down in the basement but he's like kind of magic now and you're like oh wait he's doing stuff that he wasn't doing before like he just touches a light bulb with a finger and it lights up and illuminates and he's bringing them down to the basement they're like wait this is weird down here but they keep following him anyway because they want to get whatever shit they were supposed to come there for and they finally end up in this room and he's like, where else do you think I would put him? I put it in the coffins. Of course. I'm an undertaker. Ha 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 ha. And, and they're like, all right. Three coffins for three people. That's normal, right? You just each one go to one of your coffins and, and open those. Um, and they open them and there's their own dead bodies inside. It was hell all along. And then all of a sudden the undertaker transforms into an amazing uh, dark demon of the devil. And he like. It's good. Yeah. It's a it's really real good. It was a good scene. I was impressed with it. And uh, welcome to hell, motherfuckers. Yes. And it's like very like like legend, you know, looking kind of kind of kind of devil. It's great. It's a cool ending. I liked it. I like the little the little tag at the end. You go, oh, OK. They've been welcome in hell, to hell motherfuckers is perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. And of course, of course, I, they've been in hell the whole time. That's what I would expect Satan to say to you as you walked in. Right. I wouldn't expect anything less. Just welcome to hell, motherfucker. <laughs> no matter, yeah. No matter what guys he's in, I, I would expect that to come out of his mouth. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, gore factor: one is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood, and five is run for the barf bag. This is a five run for the barf bag. They are having fun with their gore. Um, a lot of it is not not fun. This is not fun gore. A lot of bad gore. A lot of upsetting. A lot of bad gore, but there's also some of it was fun, like with like the step the step monster bone breaking thing was was pretty great and fun and 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 kind of goofy cool. But there's some serious terrible stuff in here. From I think just the lynching sequence alone would would give it a full five for me. Just it's very hard uh, to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, Movie ratings: Chainsaws. One if you're desperate. Two barely qualifies as a horror film. Three seen worse, seen better. Four not too shabby, and five fantastic oracle. I gave this one a five. I was pleasantly surprised by how hard it went. I think that like first couple stories, I was like, these are great. This is like so present. And then I was like, oh my God, as it kept going, I was like, this is way more intense than I anticipated. Yeah. And that fourth story just like killed me. Um, so I just, I just, like I said, it just, I just feel like they could make this movie again right now. And it would again do just as well i know they've made a million after as well too there's been so many um sequels. Are there sequels? how many are sequels? tons oh okay Good. tons um and so i feel like uh yeah it just just for being ever present and uh top of mind is pretty great insane in the membrane good uh i give this film a three and a half i thought it was really uh i love how different all the stories were i love the thread story and i thought all the performances were really great um it was kind of a hard watch though there was a lot of stuff that i was like uh, okay i see it and it makes me feel bad and it should it should make me feel uncomfortable of course um and i think that does a good job of of 
you know, luring you in with these kind of wacky thread characters and then being like, oh, it's not, it's not all fun and games though, is it? And you're like, oh, no, no, it really isn't. Um, so next week we're going to be talking about a movie that's really different from what we're talking about this week. Next week we're going to talk about a movie. I've never seen it. It's going to shock you that I've never seen it. Uh, a girl walks home alone at night. Isn't that insane? I haven't seen this. I'm what am I doing? I'm still like floored. Like I've seen this movie a bunch. This is one of the ones where I was like, oh my God. It's so Julia. I, what am I doing? It, it is so Julia. And the first time I saw it was actually with one of our friends who we met in England too, Dana Bean. Aww. So I'm just like. Um, it's, it's, anyway, it's cool. So, um, I'm excited uh, that you get to watch this for the first time and I can't wait to talk about it with you. Well, I know it's a SpectreVision film, so it has to be great. I know that anything those do, those guys do is going to be outstanding. So I'm, I'm really excited. Like a hundred percent. Like that's what, that's the thing that floored me the most. I was like, it's SpectreVision too. And Julia hasn't seen it. Weird. I know. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for listening. We are on all of the social media channels. We also have a Patreon if you would like to subscribe and a Teespring store. If you'd want to buy some stuff, we got makeup bags, we got mugs, we got hoodies. The hoodies are so comfortable, t-shirts and like all kinds of good stuff. Well, I think we'll be adding more soon too. So keep a lookout, get your, get your swag, get your horror movies probably get on. It's one of the coolest logos out there. Ain't going to lie. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. Join us next week then too. For a girl walks home alone at night. Yeah. Yeah.